Today's scripture is from Matthew 12, 43-50. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through the waterless regions, looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it returns, it finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and live there. And at last state, at the last state of the person is worse than the first. So it will also be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Yeah, anybody ever move? Have you, have you ever moved? You, you, Brian, you, you just bought a, you, you had a house and you're moved, you moved into a house, right? Am I correct? And you guys have moved and everyone's moved. Um, sometimes when you move, there are things that you have to decide as you're packing, do I need this or do I want to get rid of this? Uh, every time that I move, I always have a lot of stuff that I figure, why have I been carrying this from one thing to the other thing, especially if it never really leaves the box. You ever done that? You just keep the things and you just go in and stuff. And so you try to figure out the things that you need to get rid of, the things that are kind of slowing you down in the move. Uh, and so that's what Jesus is kind of talking about with these demons here, is that this, uh, this person that he uh, talks about in this story, the, the, the demons were kind of slowing him down. There was a demon in him that was just kind of, uh, he needed to get rid of it. And so he gets rid of the demon, uh, the demon goes floating around into a demon world and hangs out at the demon bars and goes all that, you know, everything like that. Um, and then he realizes that he kind of misses being into that guy there again. So he grabs a couple of his friends, actually more than a couple, and he says, you know, let's go check out this guy again. And when they get there, they realize that the guy has an emptiness in him. There's room not only for the demon to return, but there's room for he and his friends. And so they come down, and the, the guy is worse off than he ever was before. Now, that's something that Jesus, a little message that he gave us 2,000 years ago that we're still trying to decipher now. Uh, and what he's talking about is sometimes we get rid of the things that we that are plaguing us, the things that are uh, bugging us. But when there's an emptiness there, uh, sometimes those things can just return. You know, oftentimes around like New Year's Eve, people make uh, uh, resolutions and stuff, and they say, you know what, that starting the first, I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I'm not going to be uh, angry anymore. I'm not going to be an angry person anymore, or something like that. You know, and so what they do is they just say, okay, I'm just going to stop being angry. So they take that out of the box and they just throw it over there. And what happens is, is that they don't fill it, they don't replace it with anything. And when we don't replace things, sometimes that, that, that demon finds its way back with a little bit more stuff to bring into there. Okay, so imagine yourself, this is not, we're not moving, we are moving, uh, we're just going through life. We have a box right here, and we have to look at that box every year and say, these are the things that I need to get rid of. But the key here is, 
that box must remain full all the time. Because as soon as you take something out of that box, that thing might be able to come back in. Uh, let's uh, Demons, when Jesus is talking about demons, oftentimes we always think of like, uh, you know, those movies where the, the priest comes and throws water on somebody and then they spit pea soup at them and all that kind of stuff. You know, we think of all, all that kind of things. But I really believe that the demons that Jesus was talking about, I think some of them were, were those, but I think there were also things like depression or anxiety or hatred or, or fear, bigotry. The, the things that truly stop us in our tracks are, are, are not the, the things that make us uh, spit pea soup. We should spit pea soup because it's disgusting. We, I mean, we're talking about like the other things in our life the things that really hold us down in our lives. And every once in a while, we, we, we make this proclamation that we want to get rid of something, but we never talk about what we're going to replace it with. My wife and I have a, this standing thing that we uh, will never make a proclamation because whenever we make a proclamation, we always screw it up. It always, you know, I'm, I'm not going to eat breakfast for nine days, day one, you know, we're having eggs, you know. Uh, and so we've, we've made a proclamation never to make proclamations again. How do you think that's turned out? <laughs> if we're not feeling something back, those things like uh, hatred, those things, you know, that, those vices that we have, if we don't do something to fill that void, we're not protecting our own house for when those demons come back. And so often the demons do return. I want to give an example here. I read this article uh, in, on NPR, and there's also like a CBS picked it up too. Uh, it says American uh, Christian majority is on track to end. For years, America, since pretty much its founding, has had a majority of the people claim Christianity as their, their belief. Uh, just a few years ago, it was about 90%, and now it's jumped down to about 60%. And they're saying that the progression of things uh, very uh, soon in our future, the people that identify as Christians will be the minority. Now, you have other things that, that come into that because you have uh, uh, immigration and people that are coming in with, uh, with, with different faith values and, and stuff like that. Uh, that those uh, measurements are, are growing in the United States. But this particular... Um, study focuses just on Christianity. It doesn't focus on that. It's just saying, do you still claim to be a Christian? And people are saying they don't want to associate with it, and they don't want to affiliate with an a, um, organized religion anymore. It's not saying that everybody is turning atheist or agnostic. It's just saying that people don't want to associate with this anymore. And as a pastor, I want to apologize for that. Because I really think that the downfall of Christianity has oftentimes been the cause of people that have identified themselves as Christians and as churches. We've wanted people to remove stuff, but we've never wanted to replace stuff. We, we become Christians and we say, all right, I'm a, I'm a Jesus guy now. I'm not going to sin no more. And the minute we say that, we start judging other people. We start, instead of focusing on our sins, we start focusing on their sins. Christianity has had an a repu ongoing reputation that seems to be growing of uh, one of judgment, one of um, elitism, one of ex exclusiveness. 
private club, and one of very hurtful behavior of pushing people out, of saying that if you're not like me, you're not allowed here. And I really think that that's because we haven't filled our box with some stuff. You see, one of the things that we have a commonality of, I don't care what faith you are, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you live and breathe, one thing that we seem to have in common is fear. Fear is a demon that plagues most of us, and sometimes on a daily basis. Fear, they say, depression is fear turned inward. Uh, fear is something that uh, causes us to have anxiety, to worry about things. Fear can freeze us into our tracks. And oftentimes, we try to tell ourselves, not going to be afraid anymore. We listen to Christian songs that say, you know, have no fear, Jesus is here. So we, we just think that that's, you know, fine and dandy. We don't have to fear anything anymore. And so we try to say these proclamations of get, getting rid of the fear. We're going to take that box and it's got fear in it. We're going to take it up. We're just going to throw it out. And our New Year's resolution is, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. And we do nothing to replace that fear. We do nothing to replace it. And so what happens is that fear goes lingering around and all of this kind of stuff, and it comes back with friends. Because normally when we're afraid, what we do is we start to turn that fear into a defense. And that defense becomes things like judgmentalism or bigotry or, or hatred or putting up the walls or blocking things for, so people can't get in. And we start to actually focus on things in our life that help us feed that fear. We get, we get almost addicted to the fear. We start to watch those 24-hour news programs that help to strengthen that fear. And we start to get more and more afraid. We think that we've gotten rid of this fear, but that demon has come back with so many other things that we are plagued with it. We, we start to watch you know, uh, news programs and things like that that tell us, you know, I don't want to point anybody out. Can I point you out? You're, you have red hair. You have beautiful red hair. But imagine if somebody said you should fear the redheads. And suddenly you're afraid. Suddenly you have this fear that there's a redhead here. And you watch all these news programs and they say, oh, you know, remember the redheads, they're the ones that are tearing us down. They're the ones that are the plague to, to, to our society is because we are keep letting redheads into the church. The door is open, and we're supposed to love you, and we do love you. All you have to do is recolor your hair. I know you were born with it, but we need you to recolor it. And now our fear is focused on just one person because now we have scapegoated that person. And so now our fear that we said we're going to get rid of is now joined by bigotry, by prejudiceness, by hatred. And now we're consumed with it. Now we start watching all those news programs and, we, and the algorithms on our Facebook page and all of those other pages and things like that start to say, oh, they, they fear redheads. Let's send them more stuff to tell how much redheads are the problem with our society and how they're bringing us down and how they're taking jobs from us and all of this kind of stuff. Let's focus on that. Boo, redheads. And now not only do you have that fear, now not only are you feeding that fear, but now you have this urge to make other people afraid of it as well. 
You start to tell other people, you know, the redheads, they're the problem. You start to, you come into to places of where you're supposed to have coffee with friends or you're, you're having Thanksgiving meals and you can't stand but not bring it up. You have to say, you know, I was just watching the news the other day and they said the redheads are just the, the plague of the country and all of this kind of stuff. God love them, but can't they just change who they are? How many demons is that added to the box? We have said, I'm Christian, I'm going to get rid of my fear. But now look at where we're at here. And then we go to churches where they stand at pulpits and some twit stands up there and says, yep, I saw it on the news that the redheads are the problem with society and so I think that God says the redheads are evil. Who's with me? I think every redhead... Sh I shouldn't be doing a southern accent. I'm not just saying... <laughs> I'm not, not going to point that out, but... I'll do Scottish. No, I'm just... <laughs> but we start to say, the redheads are the sinners. And then what happens is we don't have to focus on our own sin anymore. We don't have to focus on our anything like that. We think that that's the solving of our fear is because all we have to do is protect ourselves from the people with red hair. And we wonder why Christianity is declining. We wonder why people are saying, you know, I have a friend that has red hair. They were born that way. They're very beautiful. And you're telling them that they can't be a person. You're telling them that they're the problem. I can't accept this. That's, that's why we're losing people. We've emptied a box, but we've not refilled it with the things that we're supposed to refill it with. Jesus was the answer of telling us what you're supposed to fill back. He was warning the people of Israel, look, you have said that you're the chosen people and all of this kind of stuff, but you haven't put the things into this that you're supposed to put into this. Things like compassion and love. Things like understanding. Things like welcome, welcoming heart, welcoming spirit. We, we haven't thought of that. And at the time of Jesus was talking, the people that he was talking to, the religious leaders of the time, were a very exclusive club, and they loved to tell people that they were the scum of the earth, and they were the outcasts, and that they didn't belong, and that they were the pagans. And guess what? The people that they were talking back then are us today. Because they were people that weren't Jewish. How many people here are not Jewish? How about that? We got let in. We formed this wonderful uh, church here. And we're the ones that are now saying, you can't come in because you have red hair. Jesus was not about taking things just out. He was about putting things in. He was about sharing. He was about, you want to get rid of that fear. Okay, I understand, get rid of that fear. But you know the answer to that fear is not to chastise, not to scapegoat, not to belittle, not to say that you're superior, not to push out, not to bar. The solution is very simple. Shut up and talk to him. No, shut up and listen to him. You can't shut up and talk, right? You're Scottish. Yeah. 
but to actually make contact with somebody. That's why Jesus was always about eating at people's houses. He never paid for a meal in his life. He was always eating at someone else's house because he was telling us that the best way to abolish, abolish the fear is to sit down, have a conversation, and learn something. Because now if I do that, what happens to my fear is it goes away, but what I put back into the box is things like understanding. It's things like commonality. It's things like they're not... They're not what I thought they were. Things like trust, things like wisdom, things like learning from each other, and yes, things like community. We put those things back into the box. That is what takes out the fear. That is what keeps fear from coming back because now the demon of fear comes back and says, oh man, his house is all full of this kind of stuff. I can't do this anymore. I can't fit in there. Because he's got hope and not fear. There's something else that happened in this scripture where Jesus is talking about things, and somebody comes to the window and says, Hey, uh, Jesus, Jesus, your, your mom and your siblings are here. And Jesus in this scene says, Who are my, who's my mother and who are my brothers? And he turns to his disciples and he says, These folks are my mother and my brother. And we can look at this so many ways. Sometimes we look at it the negative where Jesus just turns us back on his family. I like to look at it as the positive way where Jesus is saying, my, the folks that I'm around, the, this is my family, but the folks that I'm around, they're like my family too. I am close with them as I am with them. You know, at the time... Uh, Jesus' family was even questioning his sanity <laughs> because he had been doing all this weird stuff. And so Jesus is pointing out that the closeness that he's with, that's like family. And he's sending us another message of something else we can put into our box. Community. True friendship with people. True understanding and closeness where we can share with each other. We can help lift each other up. We can help support each other. We can love each other. It doesn't have to be uh, blood. It can be people outside. In other words, it can be people outside of your family. It can be people outside of your community. It can be people outside of your identity. It can be people that are just people you haven't met yet. You have the ability to get to know them and to become family. And that is the foundation of what a church should be. And if we can achieve that, if we can achieve where people come into this church and actually feel as if this is a family for them, then maybe we might see somebody say Christianity is not as bad as they make it out to be. I, I think that the importance of this church right now is imperative. It is important. I'm not afraid that Christianity is going to die. I think that, that God is much bigger than that. What I'm afraid of is that people are going to feel left out of it. People like you and me. And people not like you and me. God's people. What do we fill in our box with? Let's take out the hatred. Let's take out the judgmental. Let's take out the bigotry. Let's take out the things that are harmful to you and to the world. And let's replace it with the things that are helpful and nurturing 
and help feed the world and those of us in it. Let's see the world the way Christ sees the world and fill it with love. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, help us to learn to be gracious, to be loving. Help us get rid of the things that plague us, but replace them with the things that bless us, us and our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.